Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Hesburgh offers a unique glimpse at more than 50 years of American history as seen through the eyes of the longtime president of the University of Notre Dame and America's most well-known Catholic priest, educator, civil rights champion, advisor to presidents, envoy to popes, theologian, activist. Hesburgh was called upon by countless world leaders to tackle the most challenging issues of the day. He built a reputation as a savvy political operator with a penchant for bridging the divide between bitter enemies. And that is the backstory behind this remarkable documentary, a look into a man, an extraordinary man, and an ordinary man in many, many ways as well. He was Ted or Theodore Hesburgh, and the film is called Hesburgh, and we're joined today by the director of the film, and that would be Patrick Creighton. Patrick, welcome back to Film School. Thanks for having me back, Michael. It is uh, what I said. It's a remarkable story. A man who, for many people, for probably most people today, is below the radar, may not have heard anything about him, but certainly are living in a world, a better world, for, for having Theodore Hesburgh in it. Tell me a little bit about how you came to this project. I, I am a Notre Dame graduate, so I am familiar with Father Hesburgh and, and, and who he was. But, but like a lot of people in, in the Notre Dame community, you know a little bit about him. You know, you know that he is in the Guinness Book of World Records because he has 150 honorary degrees. Uh, he was on 16 presidential commissions. He was the president of Notre Dame for 35 years, which is a really remarkable run, uh, especially when, when you consider that during the middle of his run was the late 60s, and over 300 college presidents were fired or resigned during that stretch of time because of the protests on campus. So I knew those things about Father Ted, but I didn't really know kind of, I didn't know the ins and outs of, of how he became who he became and, and what were his sort of secret weapons when it came to, you know, fighting the bad guys and, and trying to do what, what is right in any given situation that he was, that he was called on uh, to, to be engaged in. So I sort of, I'm a little bit of a skeptic in the sense that I don't always believe the hype surrounding something or someone. And since Father Ted passed away in 2015, that was around the time we got the idea that maybe there's a really good story here um, that hasn't really been explored extensively. Uh, And here we are two and a half years later with a film that is not only you know, way more fascinating than I thought it was going to be. It's in, it feels incredibly timely. Um, that That's the part about this film that I couldn't have predicted. When we started making this film, Barack Obama was still the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've kind of come a long way in our country, I think, in the last two years. And we live in a very divided country. We have, not only do we have one political side fighting with the other political side. We have camps within each side, camps within the Democratic Party that are fighting with each other, camps within the Republican Party that are fighting amongst each other. It seems to me that everyone is fighting with everyone else. And 
that was the kind of that was the kind of situation that Father Ted was really good at stepping into and and mm-hmm. bringing people together. He was he was a bridge builder mm-hmm. and that story right now feels incredibly timely. It does. And I'll say one other thing about the film that w- w- struck me was how heartwarming his story is in a, in a lot of ways, how positive his story is. In the film, we see the not only his access to power, his, his desire to see positive social change in the country and in the world, but also about the, these very personal relationships that he maintains throughout his life uh, with family and friends, lifelong relationships. So there's a, in addition to being an overview of his life and his accomplishments, it is, it is also extremely moving. But, and just in terms of what you, when you were looking into his life, was there one sort of project that he worked on, one event that occurred in his life, or you as a filmmaker said, I'm all in. This is, we, we really have to tell this story. You know, I think his, his work with the Civil Rights Commission is really the hallmark of his career. Um, and that was the part that, uh, that we, this, the film spends quite a bit of time talking about the Civil Rights Commission. There's lots of other threads in the, in the film, um, including the fact that at one point he was asked to run NASA, <laughs> a Catholic <laughs> priest who was offered the job of running space exploration. I mean, that, just think about that for a minute. Um, but his work on the Civil Rights Commission is really kind of what really put him on the map. So in a, in a nutshell, I can tell you that in 1952, Father Theodore Hesburgh was named the president of the University of Notre Dame. He was 35 years old. He's a pretty young man to take over a university. And he somehow ended up on, on President Eisenhower's radar. And because of that, Eisenhower was faced with a really daunting task, which is we have got to take a look at civil rights in our country. We have to look at inequalities that exist, especially between white and black citizens in our country, and figure out what the road ahead should look like. Uh, you got to remember, 1957, when the Civil Rights Commission was started, this was a couple of years after Brown versus Board of Education, which was considered a landmark piece of legislation uh, that the Supreme Court ruled on. The problem is it didn't really move the needle very much. Right. In fact, there was quite a bit of pushback in the South well, well, against Brown versus Board. Well, let, yeah. let's, let's frame that. Uh, so that people know, this was literally the decision that overturned a previous Supreme Court decision that, exactly. that stated that separate but equal, but equal was fine. This decision said that is not fine. That separate right Brown separate. versus Board yeah, yeah. was ruled on in 1954, and the ruling said that separate but equal is unconstitutional. Right now, what a lot of people had hoped for is that that ruling would start to have an effect around the country, especially right. in the South, uh, where the problem was probably most persistent. Unfortunately, the, the needle hardly moved at all. And, and a year later, Emmett Till was killed, and that was an extremely high-profile murder of a young boy by two or three white men in the South. Um, and the entire question around civil rights and race relations was becoming 
uh, it was it was a pot that was about to boil over. Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle of that, President Eisenhower uh, had a fairly ineffective Congress that he was working with, who couldn't figure anything out when when it came to civil rights. So he he basically, as a last resort, created a presidential commission, which was called the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. It was a six-person team. He hired three Northerners and three Southerners, and one of those men was Father Theodore Hesburgh. He was 40 years old when he was asked to join the commission. What's really incredible is the other five people on the commission, their average age was 65 years old. So Father Ted was basically like a young kid on this commission. But Hesburgh was was becoming pretty well-known in national circles and in Washington for being a really effective leader and a really effective bridge builder. So he was brought on to the Civil Rights Commission. He ended up staying there for 15 years, the last three of which he was the chairman of the Civil Rights Commission. Uh, The end of his time at the Civil Rights Commission involves a a harrowing kind of showdown between him and and the president at the time, which was Richard Nixon. Uh, And I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but Father Ted ended up doing what he always did, which is he did what he thought was the right thing to do. Um, And and it it ended up costing him his job uh, at the Civil Rights Commission. By then, Father Ted was an extremely well-known figure on the national landscape. And the truth is, I think, getting fired by Richard Nixon, who ended up resigning a year later, I think Father Ted actually kind of wore that as a badge of honor, to be honest with you. I think he felt really proud to have done the right thing, even though it cost him his job at the Civil Rights Commission. Yeah, I think you're right. And I I want to give some credit here to President Dwight David Eisenhower in the sense that it was back in the Truman administration, I think right around 1950-51, when he integrated the armed services of the country. Yep. He, he, he sent out a presidential directive essentially for all the branches of the military to integrate. And I'm sure that Eisenhower, as a former general, former uh, commander of the Allied forces at D-Day, understood and saw that this was not the end of the republic, that integration was in fact something that certainly was, I'm sure, birthed uh, with some trouble along the way, but something that was not only necessary, but also it had it had the the uh, the added advantage of being the right thing to do. So I, I want to say that Eisenhower, kind of, I think he came from it from a perspective, although how involved, how, how much he wanted to see it, it uh, succeed is another political question that, that get, we get into in the film. And it, but it's part of this continuum of progress in this country. And, absolutely. And I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower, it was pretty hard to argue with the man who was the commanding general in World War II and, and largely responsible for defeating Adolf Hitler. So he comes back to the States, he ends up running for president a yeah. few years later, and he knew that we had a civil rights problem in America that had to be that had to be addressed and had to be somehow not so much resolved, because re- resolving a problem as intricate as civil rights and equal rights takes a long time, yes. but he certainly wanted to start moving it in the right direction. There's one, there's one, other, one other interesting note about President Eisenhower. In between his job as the five-star general 
uh, of the Allied forces and becoming president, he had one job in there. He was the president of Columbia University in New York. And I think the fact that Father Ted was also a university president and the fact that Dwight Eisenhower was a huge football fan, (laughs) he actually coached football for a while, Uh um, probably also helped draw some added attention to this young priest who happened to have a pretty good football team at the University of Notre Dame. So for for all those reasons, Ted was picked to get involved in the civil rights uh, effort at at the very highest level. But what I think is most interesting about that part of his life, my fear was that we would find that Father Ted was asked to do all these different things because he was a Catholic priest, you know, and that and that there was in some ways like in that time of American history, having a Catholic priest involved in an effort maybe lended some credibility or, or some some. I don't know, some sort of moral authority that they might not lack otherwise, and that maybe Father Ted was simply checked the box, if you will, that it could not be further from the truth. Father Ted was, he was typically the guy in the middle of the room rolling up his sleeves and figuring out how do we bring all of our ideas together? Where's the common ground? Uh, what, where's our starting point that we can sort of make progress um, from, that we can build from. Um, he was incredibly good with people. He was kind. He was smart. He was very patient. And those are qualities that when you look around the landscape of America today, those qualities are in pretty short supply amongst many of the people who are in charge of running the company, the country right now. And I think that that's, that's cause for concern. I, I think that is the most pressing issue that our country faces right now is what does really effective, wise um, um, leadership look like? I think a lot of people look at the leadership amongst both parties, frankly, uh, as lacking in that sense. There's there's way too much fighting and not enough uh, bridge building, which is why I think Father Ted's story really, really resonates in the moment. I agree. And what, one other thing I'd like to point out in his life, by the way, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the director of the new film, Hesburgh, and that would be Patrick Creedon. That is that he he's a model of someone who is of a religious background, a religious vocation, but was able to navigate the, the governance of the country or the politics of governing the country in ways that did not try in any way, shape, or form to impose a particular faith into that discussion, into those efforts. And I think that's, that's a very important yeah, lesson. Yeah, there's, there's no question that he was, he was deeply committed to his, to his Catholic upbringing yeah. and, and the vows that he took as a Catholic priest. And yet he was entirely non-threatening. Yeah, uh, you know it, whether you were Jewish or Jewish or a Muslim or atheist or or from from any religious uh, heritage and background or non-religious background, frankly, uh, Father Ted really looked right past that. He he didn't think it was his job to go out and convert people, and 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 he would never ever convince people, try to convince people that his beliefs. Uh, were right and their beliefs were wrong. I mean, he just wasn't, he, he wasn't cut from that cloth. Um, and, uh, and so in that sense, he, 
he was always welcomed at every kind of negotiating table or 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 sort of problem solving session because he he was very non-threatening one of his most important qualities is he was just he was fiercely independent right. he didn't really belong to any particular camp or any particular political affiliation he was kind of apolitical what he did stand on the side of was what's the right thing to do here and how do we how do we determine what that is and then proceed right i would say in the way i would put it is he is the embodiment of this sort of code that i like to think i live by which is that i think you always have to be prepared to be wrong about something you always have to be ready to accept that you're you're you could be wrong and in that process you are able to take in information from a lot of different sources and a lot of different people and distill that into what is hopefully closest to an absolute truth as you can get so i, I and he did that i keep he, he yeah like and his, i think i think his role aside from being a priest his 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 main job was being the president of a university. Right. What he, he always felt that the best universities were were a crossroads of ideas, yep. and that you can't censor other ideas. You really can't rule out or determine that they're wrong. A campus, a college campus, a university campus, should be a place where people can exchange ideas freely in a non-threatening space and determine what's the best path forward. You know, it's really a tribute to him, and it's also a tribute, I think, to really higher education, that there should be, you know, there should be a lot more thinking before we do a lot of doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was definitely a a look-before-you-leap person, leader. Uh, and again, that is another another thing that, sadly, I, I don't think we see a lot of. I think we see a lot of pe- people just uh, shooting from the hip, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure that that always brings the best results. And in the film, we see a lot of examples of just what we're talking about, where he was forced to make some difficult decisions about his own life, but also about the university and what and directives coming from the Vatican, which put him mm-hmm. in a difficult position. And he he did he did what he felt was the right thing to do. He felt was what was best for that setting for the universe. That's what his charge was was to 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 keep that university in an academic sense, as open as possible. But but he obviously had great love for his faith, great love for for the Pope. Uh, certainly he had a close friendship with Pope Paul VI. He, yeah, so he, he, was, he was a fascinating man. He's a complex man, but in some ways uh, very straightforward because I, I think he, I think he, he was, he knew himself. Feels he, like. was, he was an ordinary man who lived an extraordinary life. No matter what your own background or political persuasion or what your calling in life is, I think when you see a life like his unfold in front of you on a screen, it's incredibly inspiring. I think about him every single day. This is our seventh feature-length film that Christine and I have produced together. We've done seven films in the last 14 years. No subject has stuck with me more than Father Ted has. He is, he's really, he's an inspiration and someone who, I wish there were more people like him around today. I think, I think the goal of the film, frankly, is to inspire other leaders to, to lead the way that he did, yeah. uh, quietly, with patience, with kindness, and always, always 
try to do the right thing. Right. Um, it sounds really simple. It's really hard to do. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it's, um, I want to let people know that they can find out more about the film uh, at hesburghfilm.com, and I'll spell it H-E-S-B-U-R-G-H-F-I-L-M, film.com, to find out more about the film, where it'll be playing. It's playing here in Los Angeles starting on May 3rd at the Aria Fine Arts Theater in Los Angeles, that's actually Beverly Hills, right there on Wilshire Boulevard. It's playing down here in Orange County at the AMC Orange 30, and that starts again on May 3rd, coming right. Yeah, up. and I'll be I'll be at uh, I'll be in Beverly Hills Saturday night um, uh, for that screening. That's actually my birthday. I okay. think there might be cake that evening, <laughs> uh, and I will be in Orange County Friday night. Oh, uh, at the screening the night before. Uh, we're doing quite a bit of traveling, and we open in about 35 different cities the weekend of May 3rd. But I'll be in uh, I'll be in L.A., I'll be in Orange County, and Sunday I'll be in San Diego. So uh, the weekend before, April 26th, yeah. we will open in Chicago and South Bend, which is the home of the University of Notre Dame. And I'll be in Chicago uh, Saturday, April 27th, doing a bunch of Q&As there at the Music Box Theater. Are you going to be at South Bend? Yes. I'll be there Friday night, the twenty sixth. I can't imagine you wouldn't be. Is it? So, <laughs> it got to go back to Notre Dame. Yeah, you got to go gotta back go to see my old dorm room. So you're <laughs> is it literally screening on campus or is it a, a theater outside? Campus? It's screening downtown, but it's only a few minutes from campus. So I'm going to swing by campus. It's a nice place. I love I love being back there. It's been a wonderful run for us, and like I said, two and a half years in the making, and we're really really excited to get it out there and and share the movie with people all over the country. It's, it, from the footage that you see in in the film. It's hard to imagine that there won't be a, a tremendous turnout because he he was a beloved man and he was a and, and he and well deserved. I mean, I'm sure there are so many people that are still on campus who are still part of the the leadership of the campus uh, of the uh, University of Notre Dame are still very very much in love with what he did and and the work and he's inspired. I'm sure so many of them. Absolutely. I just want to thank you so much for your thank films. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, the, the films, I mean, obviously, wordplay, uh, if you build it. And to say this one is, uh, it's a it's a really beautiful film about a really wonderful person, but also the film has a, a great rhythm to it. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a history lesson, but it's also an intimate portrait of someone who you may not know about, but certainly by the time this film is over, you're going to feel like you do. Uh, and uh, I want to thank you again, uh, the director of the film, Hesburgh, Patrick Creedon, uh, for coming here today on Film School Radio. Thank you, Michael. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.